Hi, good evening, and welcome to the December 14th, 2017 uh, Planning Commission uh, briefing night. Mr. Oh, our first uh, uh, order is uh, disclosures. Mr. Lloyd? No disclosures, Mr. Chairman. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Uh, Commissioner Lloyd, Commissioner Kears. On uh, November 30th, attended a community meeting regarding the Ashburn Child Care uh, application. December 1st, had a phone call with Kim Hise regarding the Ashburn Child Care application. December 5th, uh, had a meeting with staff and Lou Canonico and Stuart Miller regarding the High Point East application. December 6th, meeting with Colleen Gillis and Danielle Stevens regarding the Quarry Commerce Center. December 8th, toured the Concora site with Commissioner Blackburn. December 11th, uh, met with uh, some residents regarding the Ashburn child care application. Also on December 11th, had a phone conversation with Lou Canonico regarding High Point East. December 13th, met with Randy Minchu and John Dix regarding the Route 15 fuel and market upcoming application. And December 14th, had a phone conversation with Kim Hise regarding the Ashburn child care. Thank you, Commissioner Kearse. Commissioner Jennings. November 30th, I attended the <clears throat> Ashburn Road Child Care um, Community Meeting. On 12-6, I had a call with Kim Heiss regarding uh, that same application. On 12-8, I met with Colleen Gillis on the Quarry Commerce Center. And uh, today, the 14th, I had a call with Kim Heiss regarding the Ashburn Road Child Care Center. Thank you, Commissioner Jennings. Commissioner Blackburn. Um, I attended the community meeting regarding the Ashburn Child Care Center on the 30th of November, along with Commissioners Kearse, Jennings, and Salmon. Uh, uh, December 4th, I met with Danielle Stevens and Colleen Gillis for the Quarry Commerce Center. December 8th, I spoke on the phone with Kimberly Heist, <laughs> representing the application for the Ashburn Child Daycare Center. On December 8th, I also met with folks at Concora and had a tour of the property along with Commissioner Kears. Thank you, Commissioner Blackburn. Commissioner Priscilla? None. Thank you, Commissioner Priscilla. Commissioner Scheel? From uh, Friday to yesterday, I had several meetings with uh, people who lived along Foxfield Lane and the Route 15 neighborhood south of Leesburg in regard to proposed child care center at the northwest corner of Foxfield Lane and Route 15. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Shield. Commissioner Barnes. Thank you, Commissioner Barnes. On Thursday, November 30th, I attended a community meeting regarding the Ashburn Road Child Care uh, Center on Thursday, December 7th, I had a meeting with Ed Smariga uh, re uh, regarding uh, applications in the Dulles District. Uh, also on uh, d December 7th, I had a conversation with Kim Heiss regarding the Ashburn Child Care Center. Um, uh, and today, Thursday, December 14th, I had a meeting with Mark Hassinger and Packy Crown regarding the Graydon Manor uh, dog kennel. And that concludes disclosures. Uh, 
Mr. Snyder, I believe we're up on uh, the uh, briefings for the public hearing items. Uh, yes, sir. Before we get started, I just wanted to remind commissioners we're always available to meet with you uh, in either conjunction Sorry. or before your meetings with applicants. Marshawn, hold on. Oh, oh, that'd be a great idea. Um, I'll accept a motion for the uh, to approve the November 9th, 2017 Act, uh, Loudoun County Planning Commission action summary as presented. So moved. Moved by Commissioner uh, Commissioner Kerr, seconded by Commissioner Blackburn. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion passes 8-0-1 with Commissioner Sisley absent. I'll now accept a motion to approve the November 28th, 2017 Loudoun County Planning Commission action summary as presented. Moved by Commissioner uh, Jennings, seconded by Second. Commissioner Priscilla. Oh. <laughs> any uh, any comments, questions? Uh, seeing none, all in favor? Aye. 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 Motion passes 8-0-1 with Commissioner Sisley absent. Sorry, Nancy. Mr. Snyder. Got ahead of myself, I apologize. No, that was just my fault. mentioning earlier, just want to remind commissioners, we're always available. Should you want us to meet with or in conjunction with applicants, we also have rooms available at the county if you wish to schedule uh, meetings at this facility. Uh, the, the packet dates were a little off this month given the holiday and also the way the calendar set. So in this week's packet, you did receive both the staff reports for the hearing next week and the work session items. So I will have Lou Moserak from DTCI present the first briefing item. Good evening, uh, Mr. Chairman and members of the Planning Commission. I'm Lou Moserak with Transportation and Capital Infrastructure. Uh, at your public hearing Tuesday evening will be the uh, CPAM 2017-0002, the Route 15 Countywide Transportation Plan Amendment. The CPAM was initiated by the Board of Supervisors in May of this year uh, to reflect the recommendations of the Route 15 Congestion Report that was prepared by a county consultant and presented to the board that evening. That report indicated that the um, recommended that additional capacity was needed on Route 15 north of Leesburg to um, to remedy the recurring congestion that occurs on that segment of roadway, particularly in the afternoon and evening uh, peak period. Uh, and so the board initiated the CPAM back in May of this year. Uh, specifically, the amendment would revise the CTP to widen Route 15 from two to four lane divided between uh, North King Street, uh, just at the north end of Leesburg, at north to Montressor Road, um, which is the next major intersection north of Whites Ferry Road. It's about a mile north of Whites Ferry Road. Uh, the CPAM would amend the uh, text, policies, planning guidelines, and maps applicable to this segment of Route 15 uh, in Chapter 2 and Appendix 1 of the Countywide Transportation Plan. Um, I'll put a map up. Um, just that's the context. Uh, currently, the four-lane section of road physically ends just north of Battlefield Parkway, uh, which is just below the bottom edge of the map. The current CTP as it exists today uh, has a four-lane section planned uh, to just just in the vicinity of North King Street there, just south of Tut Lane, and this amendment would carry that planned widening north to Montressor Road in that in that area as shown 
just just briefly, uh, there was some. We had a public outreach, a public input session here at the county in October, and uh, over the summer there was a larger outreach process that DTCI managed for the Route 15 corridor, um, both this segment and the segment all the way up to the point of Rocks Bridge. Uh, there were uh, significant uh, public um, involvement there. About 240 people attended three public meetings that were held in Leesburg and Lockett's, and the county conducted an online survey uh, in July uh, with um, the majority of respondents uh, supporting the, the widening um, in this for this segment of road. Uh, we did refer this to VDOT in the town of Leesburg, and both were supportive of the uh, proposed uh, widening, and um, staff is recommending approval. I'll be happy to take any questions. Great. Any questions, Mr. Kears? So for our purpose, are we just supposed to review specifically just this and provide our opinion on just this as presented? Or the first thing that comes to my mind is why stop there? Why not go farther north with it? Are we to look at any kind of other, like you have um, a traffic signal at White's Ferry now, or are you looking for opinion on what we, whether we stick with more traffic lights or less traffic or roundabouts? or So what exactly is it that you're looking for the segment of road, so this is the segment of road that the board has directed the CPAM to okay. be um, brought forward at this time. There is a stakeholders committee looking at the larger Route 15 corridor, and that those meetings are ongoing. Um, they've had three or four meetings, and they'll continue on into 2018 okay. um, for uh, potential further recommendations north of this point. Uh, the CTP does not govern specific intersection control uh, so uh, that that stakeholders committee is looking at um, and, and offering input um, that ultimately will be decided by the Board of Supervisors as to whether uh, signals or roundabouts are, are in place at various intersections along the corridor okay thank you thank you Commissioner Kears other questions Commissioner Blackburn Commissioner Shiel you're you were on uh, looking at the looking at the map uh, attachment to the proposed change to uh, R4M to uh, from about Tut Lane to Montresor Road, uh, it's unclear to me. Uh, it's going to be M means it's going to be a medium divided road. That's correct. But that doesn't necessitate four lanes. It could be two lanes, medium divided. It could be three lanes, or uh, I see two proposed change to R4M. And I can understand the uh, M. I can understand the R. And what does the four stand for? The total number of lanes? The total number of through travel lanes, yes. Okay, so it will be a divided four-lane road that is the recommendation yes that is the that is the proposal okay uh, but we don't know who is going to uh, uh, suffer or benefit from the added takings along the this right-of-way or, or or will there be at in other words is the route 15 um, right-of-way 
wide enough at present so that there needn't be added takings or have you figured this out? That has not been specifically determined. I, I would just in general say that there is um, right-of-way available in portions of the corridor. Uh, there in all likelihood would be locations where additional right-of-way would need to be acquired by the county or VDOT. The, the design of the road has, has not been decided. decided at this point. But it, this is to, again, to um, implement the recommendations of a the congestion study that said that additional, recommended additional capacity, yeah. taking it to four lanes. I think the design, the design considerations will be very important because this is a beautifully tree, d treed section of that road. And there are several historic properties, especially on the uh, east side of the road. Absolutely. And I, I just point out that in, um, I believe it's attachment three of your, of your, of your staff report, uh, the, lang the specific language for this section, we do reference that um, improvements will be constructed in accordance with the heritage resource policies uh, and scenic area and corridor policies of the general plan. So we've built that, um, that language into, into the description that is being proposed for insertion into the CTP. Well, thank you, Commissioner Scheel. Other questions? I have a couple um, similar to Mr. Scheel's questions, but slightly different. So um, first one is how is the uh, bike and pedestrian mobility being addressed on this uh, section? Are we going to have a bicycle uh, or a, a multimodal trail on one or both sides of the road? We are, um, there's general language uh, in, in uh, that's shown in Appendix 3. Uh, referring to our bike ped guidelines in the CTP. So there will be some sort of bike ped. The specifics are not determined. Again, the design of the road and, and how it ultimately ends up appearing and, and you know, looking uh, has not been finalized at this okay. point. Um, and the, the second question is, um, is there a recommended minimum right away? I know the right away varies up and down the road, but is there a minimum recommended right away for this? We did just say right away. Right away does vary. Um, I, I can have that information before the hearing on on okay. Tuesday, but it it could. There are opportunities to um, uh, tailor the design, you know, depending on specific constraints. Um, but I, I can have a right away with, uh, and I'll have that on Tuesday. Okay. Um, VDOT states that the widened road will handle the traffic, but it doesn't say that it'll handle the traffic for a period of time. Did they do a study that says if we widen the road from two lanes to four lanes, then we have an acceptable level of service from whenever you do that, because it'll take a couple years to do it, through 2025, 2055, the end of time? Um, did they did they they didn't really specify in their standards that like once you build it it'll handle the, the traffic but how long will it handle the traffic our our consultants who prepared the um, congestion report will be at the hearing and and I'll have them okay. address that particular question um, on okay. Tuesday the long the longer the better um, <laughs> okay any other questions very well thank you Mr. Snyder, our next item is probably yours. 
Thank you. So the second public hearing item, this is a zoning conversion, Dulles Town Business Center. Uh, you've previously looked at lots on either side of this project on Marie's Road. Uh, this would go from the uh, this is zoning conversion. So at the time this property was rezoned back in the 90s, it, it committed itself to the ordinance in effect at the time. So like most conversions, they're asking simply to convert to the newest ordinance as amended in the future so that as the ordinance may evolve over time, they're not having to come back in and request those concessions. So uh, it is Route 28 business area, uh, generally consistent with the policies related to zoning conversions to the most recent zoning districts. Uh, we do not have issue with the application. It's ready for action and uh, happy to answer your questions. Great. Any questions on this one? Um, I do have one. There were um, plans for specific use on this property and that language was removed from the ZRTD. I think it was just part of a special exception. Um, so is there no plan f uses at this time? Were those uses removed or they just are coming in for a ZRTD only? They've, they've removed other special exceptions applications. Today is just for the zoning conversion and any by right use under that newer ordinance they'd be allowed to develop. Okay. So there is a particular tenant in mind, but that's not subject to this, this application this evening. Other questions, Mr. Shu? I seem to recall, unless my geography is not straight, but there used to be a, a big uh, Negro graveyard at the end of that road, the Noakes graveyard, N-O-K-E-S family. And I think it was moved, but I was wondering, wouldn't it be nice if there was a uh, historical marker there or something to deno donate that? That was a very, very, very important family in the uh, lower part of the county uh, during the early 20th century. And the village was named after him. The road is, the school, still Noakes Boulevard. Mm -hmm. But if somebody could check that, it w I think this site would be a good place for some sort of a historical marker denoting that. Thank you. So Mr. Shield just wanting us to confirm whether or not the Noakes family graveyard is on the property? No. Okay. Or was. Or was? Okay. Okay. But uh, what I'm saying is that uh, that the graveyard was once there would indicate that this was the center of the family life for that very important uh, uh, black family in the lower part of the county. Okay, we'll, we'll check with the applicant. Okay. We'll check in with um, Heidi Siebentritt, our historic preservation planner. Okay. Um, just a point of order on ZRTDs. Are we allowed to require um, things like a historical marker on property? Good question. I'll be able to confirm that before the meeting next week. Okay. Yep. Um, okay. Any other questions on this application? Seeing none, let's move on to number three. Quarry Commerce Center, Center, this is encompassing 43 acres along the Route 50 corridor just west of Pleasant Valley Drive in the planned development of Foxgate. Uh, currently zoned material resources, heavy industry, and commercial light industry, and they wish to convert the acreage entirely to planned development general industry. This would allow them to develop about 600,000 square feet of data center uses. Commissioner Scheel, I always think of your cartography lectures when I say that the orientation's off on this graphic. It's not north and south. <laughs> north and south is this way, east and west this way. So Route 50 is along here. These would be the three data center building pads. 
internal site circulation. Uh, this is planned industrial, so it is an anticipated development in the area. We did ask the applicant to look at some of the sensitivity of what was around it. So they have significantly backed off of uh, Route 50. They're incorporating the Type 5 buffer yard acquired along the corridor, also providing interparcel access to future connections at the point that Route 50 becomes limited access. Uh, they've, and they've also agreed to uh, several design standards as part of this development proposal. But <clears throat> given the prevailing land use plan and the, and the concessions made by the applicant, uh, we have recommended or will be recommending approval. In the staff report, we did talk about some details we're working on in terms of relocating a, a shared use path along 50, uh, confirming these alternate road access points when Route 50 is closed. And there was a concern about using an existing, this, right now this is all vegetated, uh, you can see here. So they wanted to incorporate that into their plans that may have a conflict with the Type 5 buffer yard requirements, but we expect to have resolution of that before uh, next week's hearing. So we'll take your questions. Okay, any questions? Mr. Jennings. Just clarification, the limited access Route 50, where does that stand? <laughs> I mean, I appreciate that the applicant's making those access mm -hmm. points, but um, my look on that, I still can't find any alignment. <coughs> I'm just curious where, what the county's thinking is. On the north side. On the north side, I have, so obviously the improvements and widening is ongoing. I can have DTCI, and I can get clarify with them when they anticipate the future road design to be implemented. Just would be helpful. Is your question about the North Collector Road or Route 50 becoming limited access? It's about the North Collector Road. Oh, the North Collector Road. I'm sorry. No, the applicant's putting in a couple of access points mm -hmm. on the contingency of where it might could be, is my understanding. There's limited places for that to go because there's a big hole in the ground called a quarry. Right. That's my. Okay. That's exactly where I'm going. So we can have DTC. I'll talk about right now the, the, the corridor would uh, generally pattern in this direction but I can talk with DTCI about having that information available. Okay, thank I think what we wanted to do is we're always trying to discourage folks so that if, if access is limited and they have to look at elsewhere to get out to a public road that they're not having to take down structures. So this layout being centralized, and as you can see, most of their boundaries travel ways. Uh, they have the ability to go this way. They have the ability to go this way. They have the ability to go this way. And so uh, we expect to be able to reach consensus on that. So. Great. Other questions? Commissioner Lloyd. I was just curious, how many other data center applications have been approved on the Route 50 corridor? One, which is further down near uh, Poland Road, but we can Fur further west. And it's, it's, it's one application with four buildings. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you. You approved a uh, substation in front of that a number of months ago. Yeah. Um, other questions? Um, I had a question on the shared use path. So this is significantly far away from Route 50. The shared use path is right along Route 50. Mm -hmm. So what's the concern about the shared use path? Are I think there's just, there was a relocation. They, had a, they have a curb cut already on Route 50, if I understand it. And so the, the path goes over that. Mm. So... I guess I'm, not, I'm unclear. Maybe I'm getting something wrong. That the shared use path shouldn't be adjusted at all because you're like 300 feet back, right? Correct. So this would be. Let me have the project manager confirm that for you at the hearing. Okay. So 
happen. I think we expected to resolve it. I think we had just identified it in the staff report. There were some logistics of how that might be treated upon development of the site. Okay. All right, further questions? Okay, next. Good. Next, this is a special exception uh, west of Leesburg, south of Route 7, Happy Hounds Lodge. <coughs> Uh, this is a request for a kennel use. I do have the project. What else? Round Hill? It's south of seven, though, right? Okay. That's technically correct. Okay. That's what happens when your coworker lives in Western Loud. So, Randall Farron is project manager for both this and the next case. So, this is a 16 acre parcel zoned AR1 in the planned rural area. It's about a 3,800 square foot residence. Uh, they're asking for an indoor outdoor kennel with would accommodate up to 30 uh, dogs. There was a number of, of conditions we worked with the applicant to address regarding hours of operation, uh, lighting, yeah, number of dogs, number of dogs a number of dogs outside at any given time. So with those uh, conditions related to the use, uh, we have put forward a, a recommendation of approval. Great, Mr. Priscilla. I just had one question would be helpful to have. I mentioned with Randall, thank you today. <clears throat> It'd be helpful to have some information about traffic impacts because access to the site is through a private access easement. And uh, one of the other landowners who uses that road had some concerns about the volume of traffic. Okay. And so since traffic is one of the things we consider, how we resolve that as a county in relying upon that access easement to provide. So it would be helpful to have something. Okay, we can have an explanation of our analysis and that. Thank you. Thanks. Other questions? No? He's fine. Um, okay, I think we're good. Next. I got one. Oh, sorry, Mr. Shield. Um, again, in regard to traffic accidents, does that lane end on Yellow Schoolhouse Road? That's correct. Okay, I can't, the map doesn't quite show that. That's why I asked. Has there been any comment from any of the neighbors in regard to this uh, uh, future kennel? Yes, um, the property owner um, who um, owns the property that's adjacent to Yellow Schoolhouse Road where the first portion of the private access easement uh, passes through his property um, has expressed opposition to this due to impacts on the is his, ha his house though is not on the map though is it his house actually doesn't show up in the aerials yet okay, because yeah. it, it's it's under construction right now they just started construction okay so he's objecting because traffic will go by his property that's correct okay thank you but no objections in regard to the noise of canines it looked like house the closest house looks like it's about 540 feet or 550 feet from the proposed dog area? I believe the closest house um, from any area where the dogs would have access to is about 800 feet away. 800 mm -hmm. And the scale? Um, Mr. Shell, you're looking from the property line or from the boundary where the dogs would be? From the where the, the boundary where the dogs are going to be. So well, that no, sorry, it may not be a house. Okay, it may be a barn. Uh, belay that. <laughs> okay. Further questions? Okay. Thank you. Next. Uh, next, this is a second kennel use, also managed by Mr. Farron. 
this is a seven-acre portion of the larger Graydon Manor, uh, west of, <coughs> excuse me, west of the town of Leesburg. Uh, is also zoned AR1. Uh, there is a by right veterinarian clinic proposed with this use. Uh, the vet, the kennel would serve up to 150 dogs and a number of cats as well. Uh, the facility is about 30,000 square feet. It would have a 32,000 square foot outdoor area. Um, again, applying the rural policies, there's a number of conditions that the project manager worked with the applicant to address, hours of operation, location of outdoor areas, noise attenuation, uh, and they are generally in agreement with those conditions. So with those concessions, we are recommending approval of the, uh, of the application. Thank you. Other, uh, any questions on this application? Commissioner Shield. Um, were you able to find out whether uh, initially the uh, property in question was zoned for a kennel as a by right use um, prior to the development of Foxfield Estates? It, it would have been a special exception use at the time. Um, the uh, Graydon Manor property was zoned A3 at the time that Fox Ridge was developed, and much like today, it would have been a special exception. So, it, okay. Thank you. Um, could you go into a little bit more detail as to uh, are there no objections from Fox Ridge? Or I sort of got the idea from Marshawn's comment that everything was pretty much aligned or, or are there still some objections from the uh, Fox Ridge uh, development people who live there? Sure. Um, so as conditioned, um, staff feels comfortable that um, this application addresses all of the compatibility concerns. Uh, we are continuing to receive comments from residents from Fox Ridge that are in opposition to this um, due to fears that there will be noise impacts on their property and that it will affect their property values as well. But we believe that the conditions will address the noise um, to a more than sufficient degree to um, satisfy those. Okay. Is there any way in, of assessing whether at 400 feet, which is about the distance between the dog runner kennel and the nearest house, whether indeed a canine such as a wolfhound could be heard on a <clears throat> quiet night. <laughs> I mean, this, there, I mean, I, I think that's what people in Fox Ridge would like to know. Um, sure. It was coming down to um, brass tacks, so to speak. So, is there any way of doing that, or no? Uh, I'm I'm sure there is a way of doing that, but what our conditions actually do is proactively address that by requiring that the applicant demonstrate at the time of site plan that their indoor and outdoor sections are meeting the noise requirement of uh, not exceeding 55 dBA at the property line with Route 7. So that would be 55 dBA at the property line plus there's additional uh, 150 feet between there, maybe 200 feet between there and the nearest house. Um, so we've given the applicant the flexibility to figure out how to um, properly attenuate that noise and achieve that. Um, so hopefully it, it 
won't really be a concern at that point whether or not they would be able to hear a dog without those measures uh, uh, being undertaken. There's also a recommended prohibition on use of the outdoor kennel space between the hours of 8 p.m. and 8 a.m. Thank um, you. Thank you, Mr. Schell. One clarifying question. The zoning ordinance, so there's a proffer that the applicant has voluntarily proffered to um, effectively meet the zoning, uh, former zoning ordinance requirements for noise, which is 55 decibels at the property line. Mm -hmm. That was the old measurement for noise standards with the county. We recently changed those standards. So the current zoning ordinance, it's a 55 decibel at the complainant's house. So is it my understanding that this particular application, because they proffered 55 decibels at the property line, they get both 55 at the property line and 55 at anybody's house that wants to complain about it, that it would be measured at both places? So just a point of clarification, that, that is a condition of approval. It's not a proffer since this is a special right. exception. I'm, um, that's what I meant. Right. Um, <laughs> But our expectation is that since they're achieving the 55 decibel standard at the property boundary with the Route 7 right-of-way, that even substantially greater noise attenuation would be achieved by the time the noise is reaching uh, the residents of Fox Ridge. Okay, but, but the, the, it still stands. There's, there's both, they have the condition and they still have the zoning ordinance. The That's current correct. zoning ordinance states 55 at whoever whoever wants to complain, they would measure it at there. If it's above 55, the zoning ordinance kicks in. If they measure above 55 at the property line, then this condition of approval kicks in. So I'll, I'll have to check on what exactly the zoning ordinance says. Um, the last I checked, and this might be, this might differ from the codified ordinances, which have their own noise standards, but um, this, simply put, this would not um, relieve them of any duty of achieving the, the noise requirements of the zoning ordinance. Okay. Um, so this does provide an additional layer of right. uh, attenuation. So it's above and so beyond what, what the county would normally require. Okay. Any other questions, Mr. Shield? Could you ask the applicant whether he could uh, plant a row of uh, bushy evergreens, and I'm not a horticulturalist, but evergreens that are close to the ground and they go up about 20 or 30 feet and they form a formidable barrier so you can't really see the building too well and would also help the any noise situation. But would the applicant care, would the applicant do that? I will certainly check with them. And Thank you. Have that answer for you. Other questions, Mr. Schill? Sorry, <laughs> Mr. Pierce. Do, do you know how many homes are over in Fox Ridge? About 250? I don't know. I'd have to check on that yeah, for you. I was trying to do a quick count. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious if there's a way, if there's some, I'm sure there is a place that says, you know, in a suburban community, how many people have dogs. I just was looking at, I have 31 houses on my street and we have 15 dogs. I'm just kind of thinking Fox Ridge, if there's 250 houses, if the average is the same, there's probably 125 dogs in that community. I'm just kind of curious if there's sort of a number standard. I'll look in I don't know if you can you. find something real quick or not. But. Sure. Okay. 
Yes, any other questions? Yes. I have a question or kind of a statement. Yeah. So we want to make sure that you are aware and, and the commission is so inclined to support this. We do have a, a second policy issue regarding utilities extensions in the rural policy area. There's a utilities on site that predate a lot of the comp plan policies. And so we felt with the unique characteristics and the unlikelihood that this would be repeated anywhere else in the, in the, in the rural policy area, uh, we felt that the question of utilities in the rural policy area was, was adequately addressed with this proposal. So you notice in the utilities section of the report, we discuss the policy and how we uh, resolve that with this proposal. So when you make a, if you do support it and there's a finding to support it, we make that concession uh, in the findings. So, we, okay, can we just get the, um, can we get the, the um, uh, findings for approval modified or can we get the motion modified before the, um, it's already in the findings. It is in there already. Yep. I just want to make you aware that if someone asks you about it, saying that's why. be aware of that particular policy, which is unique to this proposal. Yeah. So, so you're not supposed to put you're not supposed to get city sewer into the AR3 uh, district, but that was this was put in prior to our standards, so it's there, and there's no reason not to. In fact, it's safer to use it today. That's why the staff is okay with it. Correct, just the, the predating many of the policies that it will apply. But just want to make sure you're aware of that in your decision. So, yep. thank you. Okay, uh, if there's no other questions, let's move on. Oh, that's it. So the, uh, sorry, stop talking. Um, okay, so the, uh, the Planning Commission uh, work session or briefing is, uh, sorry, the briefing has uh, completed. We'll now move to the Planning Commission work session. Our first work session item has been deferred, so ZMAP, 2016-0022, ZRTD 2016-13, special exception 2016-64, High Point East in the Broad Run District has been deferred um, to the December 19th, 2017 meeting. So we will now hear um, the uh, next application, which is special exception 2017 0001 special exception 2017-0034 special minor exception 2017-0001 Ashburn Road Child Care Center welcome Mr. Owanzek moment Um, just want to update you since the public hearing on October 24th. Um, the applicant did arrange with the um, Ashburn Place Homeowners Association for a community meeting that was held on Thursday, November 30th that was very well attended with approximately 100 uh, members of the community and Four of you were there, as well as two Board of Supervisors. Um, the applicant has also provided additional information um, this week um, and has agreed to, to a reduction in the uh, capacity to 144 children. Um, they have revised the parking lot layout. Um, and if just bear with me one moment. Um, Brief update. Um, applications. Yeah. 
while he's calling that up. We did receive the, the notification of the lesser amount of children yesterday, and there was a number of materials that the applicant submitted in support of that. Uh, we've generally looked them over, but DTCI has not uh, reviewed them in detail. Um, just to give you um, briefly, again, this is the uh, location on the west side of Ashburn Road opposite Grantner Place. Um, Ashburn Place uh, Homeowners Association along Grantner Place. There's an elementary school to the west um, and two commercial buildings on the north and the south sides of the what would be an infill location. Uh, this is the view from the property looking to the east across Ashburn Road to Grantner Place, which is a community of approximately, I believe it's 29 single family dwellings. Um, on the top, the top image site plan is the, was the um, special exception plan for, that was presented on October 24th. It depicted 12 parking spaces, including nine Pick, drop off and pick up spaces in front of the structure um, where the numerals 12 is um, along the entrance driveway. Um, the bottom image was presented um, Tuesday or yesterday, which now depicts 17 total parking spaces along the south side of the um, structure and playground. The, there is the driveway again extending from Ashburn Road to the rear of the property. Uh, 33 parking spaces continue to be provided, but now for um, 144 children. Um, the requirement now is, um, would be that the applicant had to provide 56 total, well, yeah, 56 total parking spaces, which they're requesting a reduction to 33. This includes 49 parking spaces and seven drop-off and pick-up uh, pick spaces, um, which in staff's estimation, the applicant is uh, meeting um, those numbers. Assuming that there was a 0.18 parking spaces per child present, uh, that would indicate that 22 spaces would be adequate to meet parking demand, um, including for uh, staff of 20 staff and the 144 children, of which at an 84% um, daily attendance would be 121 children present on any one day. Um, and perhaps 25% of those would be um, AM or PM, but not full day students. Um, there is a parking covenant that would be required in the zoning ordinance that in case that it was demonstrated that the applicant was not meeting, was not uh, providing adequate parking for all of the children, that the zoning administrator could come to the uh, planning commission and request that the applicant reduce the number of children 
the, the capacity to handle those number of children. Um, and again, a concern has been that the um, drop-off and pick-up spaces was on the entrance driveway, and I just wanted to point out at Kitty Academy of Ashburn in Goose Creek Village, although the child care center adjoins a park and ride facility, um, similarly, this is the one location that I am aware of where most traffic would be coming in, parking on the south side of the facility, and then backing up and leaving via the same way the traffic is coming in. Um, on the day that I was there as the um, staff report for the Planning Commission public hearing and the parking memo indicate there was sufficient turnover of parking spaces um, and also the with the curvature of the driveway and having the parking spaces adjoining the driveway this is would there's also speed bumps in, incorporated in the driveway as a means of traffic calming to slow traffic down and if traffic coming in were to know that there was the drop-off and pickup area, this would further slow traffic down. Um, staff has also estimated that the driveway is of sufficient size that there would be um, proper turnover as mentioned in the traffic, the staff memo presented for the tonight, that there uh, would be um, no unacceptable queues in the driveway or on Ashburn Road. Um, interfering with traffic. Staff continues to recommend to forward to the Board of Supervisors with a recommendation of approval subject to the conditions of approval dated December 12, 2017. Uh, staff notes that if this is such done that uh, staff would have to update the conditions of approval for the Board of Supervisors recognizing that there is a lower number of children that would be attending the facility. I'm available for any questions. Thank you, Mr. Wanzuk. Um, before we go to everybody else's questions, I'm going to ask one real quick question. The 80% attendance rate, which is part of their calculations, yes. has that ever been done with any other child care center? Because I don't recall that um, based on calculations, we've, we, um, applicants have not used that as a part of the calculation. Is that correct or do you I'm not aware um, whether that has been used previously as you said this was uh, something information provided by an applicant and um, in staff's uh, estimation that it would be I'm not sure that there would be 100% attendance on any day um, knowing children I, I don't but it is possible that they would be there okay but with 100% enrollment, but no, but nobody, but but this is the first application that we've had for a child care center that has said, I want the traffic studies calculated based on 80% of my total population. Is that correct? Um, this is just because if I information provided by the applicant, I don't think yeah. that the. Um, they are requesting this based on that. So, so just as well, no, they, their traffic study is based on 80%. So what I'm asking is, I'll just give you an example. The South Riding Daycare Center on Edgewater Street, did they come in with their application when they ran their traffic study? Did they use an 80% number, 80% of the total population of the um, kids as part of their uh, 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 traffic study? 
I would have to research that and get back to you. Okay. Mr. Schneider, are you aware of any, if, if, if this is a regular action or is something unusual, relatively? No, I just, I mean, Rody wrapped it up. We just, we'd have to track that down for you and look at other facilities that you've recently looked at and draw that comparison. Okay. Just uh, off the top of your head, are you familiar? I'm not aware of it, no. Okay. Thank you. All right. Mr. Uh, questions, Mr. Priscilla? Yeah, and following up on that, um, I guess you could, there may be other uses that would have a similar request besides a child care that I'd be curious. Um, you know, in any given day, we may not have 100% of the people attending it. Thinking back a, a month or so ago about the soccer, obviously you have to have the teams filled out, but could someone else take advantage of that potential to say, hey, I know we have 30 people on a team, but on any given day they all won't be here. I'd have some concerns about how we would apply that to other types of uses. Understood. So remember, all the, a, lot of the com a lot of the daycare centers that you've looked at have similarly requested parking reductions. And so I think the board has recognized that overall we need to address uh, parking or redress parking standards for child care facilities, and most have given comparisons to other facilities within Loudoun, but that specific comparison we've not done. Thank you. Other questions? Mr. Kierce. Um, since you, do you have a picture of the Kitty Academy site again, the one you did the comparison to? And do you know what size school that is? Um, I don't know the exact of uh, the size of that particular school. Um, it would have a similar, would appear to have a similar footprint. Um, but it's a single, it's not a two-story. A, sing, a single story, correct. Because okay, if you look at the overall site, if, so I've got it on Google Maps here. So there's about 90 parking spaces within very, very close proximity to the front door. Um, and it's off of a side street, not doesn't front on the Sycalone Road. You come into the, the, the uh, center, and then you have it there. And like I said, you've got about 90 parking spaces there, even though I don't know how many are actually tied directly to the Kitty Academy, but you have a 90-year. So there's a significant amount of parking v right adjacent to that building. That is correct. That is an uh, active park and ride lot for Loudoun, Transit, yeah. Loudoun County Transit that uh, uses up a considerable number of the uh, parking spaces on the day that I was uh, there to observe. Yeah, it looks about a third full from this picture on whatever, whenever Google Maps took their picture. All right, um, so I had some questions I had also about the, the transport, the trip information that was in our staff report on page four under trip comparison, Ashburn Road, northbound traffic. And I'm looking at what was said here. It talks about the proposed childcare generating 767 trips and it counts 50% of them as passed by and reduces it to 384. And it shows a comparison to 2,080 trips for a convenience market, but it doesn't show any pass-through number there. I don't know why. Why are you assuming 50% pass-through for the child care, but a 0% pass-through for a convenience store? And also, I did a quick little math. 130, uh, 2,080 trips for a 16-hour day means every 30 seconds for that entire 16-hour, a car is going into that convenience center. And there's no convenience center I've ever seen that generates that kind of traffic. Uh, so I'm wondering what these, or if I'm misreading this, clarify me. But um, that's what this says, and it's 
quite frankly, ludicrous. Um, the other thing I read on the next page, um, it talks about the number of trips coming out of Grantner Place. Now, a number that has been a consistent standard for residential is 10 trips per house. Right, that's a number the county's always used. I mean, that's a number that I've always seen that when we have discussions about trip generation, it's roughly 10 trips per day per household. Um, so I'm looking at 23 houses on Grantner Place, and there's four other houses, but they don't, they, they front Ashburn Road. So if I'm looking at 23 houses times 10 trips a day, that's 230 trips. But according to this report, the two busiest times of the day combined would only account for 21 of those trips. Again, I just don't see how that's possible. Um, so I'm curious how that, that, that came about. So I don't know if anybody's got an answer to those or if I'm misreading what was in there, but I would, would like some clarification on that. Um, and for staff, it, it seems like a lot of the basis for in this document for supporting this application is that, well, it's, it's less worse than the worst possible buy right use. And I don't normally hear staff using, I'm sorry, I, mean, I hear that a lot from applicants over the years saying, well, you know, it could be this, it could be that, so you should be happy that it's this. But it just it, that's the way this reads to me, is that, well, the, the worst case use, and maybe that's the, and I, sometimes I miss what staff is saying versus this is, might be the applicant's traffic person that's constantly making a reference to what a, convenience store by right could be if it went in there um, it could generate this and um, I don't know I just don't use that as, as why I would support an application by what the potential worst case use would be if it went by right um, the, the other thing that I would like a little more clarification and it was brought up at the community meeting I just kind of want to see how the numbers work talking about the number of spaces and this is at the bottom of page six. It was looking at um, roughly how many children or how many cars would be coming in and out um, and the number of students would be there at any one time. So I reduced the number to 144 children, take away 25 as part-time, you have 110 full-time students there. And the ratio staff used is, you know, you have different ratios for different ages, but a one to six was an average. So I'm thinking if you have 110 there full-time, you need 19 spots just for the teachers. I'm assuming they have at least one person in there that's staff that's not teaching in a class. So that's 20 spaces right there. Um, the application for the 175 showed 10 to 11. I just would like to see how that math works, that's, that that few number of spaces would be dedicated to the people working there based on that number of students. Um, is that it? No. Got more. <laughs> Page five, it talks about the two-story design. It talks about the second story permits the facility to have a more compact building footprint compared to similar child care centers uh, with a reduced distance mitigating travel to the second story. Uh, I'm, I'm curious what that's based on. Based on the layout of this, most of the parking spaces are all the way at the back, so you've got to walk across the front of the building, past the play area, then you get to the back. Um, I don't know how a two-story dine mitigates the distance that has to be walked because a lot of other centers that have more of a flow-through around, the spaces tend to be a lot closer. In the example you gave of Kitty Academy, you've probably got 75 parking places closer than 20 of the 32 that are here as far as a distance. So in my mind, just because it's two-story, that doesn't uh, reduce 
the drop-off and pickup time. And quite frankly, I think it does nothing but increase the drop-off and pickup time because of, A, the distance you have to walk from the parking area, but having to go up and down downstairs. Um, there's a number in here that was five to eight minutes per drop-off and pickup. Nobody I've spoken to that has worked in a daycare, or I can speak from my experience, but can get in and out with children, young children in five minutes. Um, I, I think 10 minutes would be a, a conservative average for that. Um, and then I get back to the same issue with how you're going to get all the cars in and out. Um, and going back, if you're doing 110 full time, uh, you, you take away the 144, I'm sorry, 110 full time. Um, take away 20% for you know two families, so you got roughly 80 cars coming in. And I I came down. Let me. Where did I do my math? It's over here. So by so you're looking at roughly 70, it, it's uh, 80, 85 total in the house at a time, and for 110, I'm looking at roughly 70 trips during the peak time in and out of there. Um, and I think there was a the traffic study that was done showed an average delay. And I'm, this was another question I had for how these numbers are calculated. An average delay was fairly minimal on Ashburn Road. And I'm wondering what length of time the average is taken. And what I'm getting at is at the peak time, even by the, the drop-off and pickup time of the example of the other facility, roughly 60% come within a one-hour time period. Um, so you're going to have 60, 70 cars trying to get in and out of there during that one hour. And on Ashburn Road northbound, once one car is waiting to turn left, all the traffic comes to a dead stop um, until there's such time that one car can get in and then another, and there'll be a few dozen probably trying to get in at the same time. And I, I'm trying to figure out, well, you know, for those cars that are there when somebody's trying to get in, it's not going to be a three- or five-second delay. It's going to be quite a bit longer. Um, so that's why I was wondering if when they do an average, they're saying, well, over the course of a day, if you take the total delay divided by number of cars on the road, it comes to a five-second increase. But that's not very real realistic during a time when this facility is going to be busy. So I, was, I rambled enough. Well, I'm not sure. I, I could not capture all your questions together, so you might have to read. That's because I know I'm rambling too much, so I'm stopping. But that, that's okay. Um, I just want to make sure your questions are related to the traffic study that's we had with the original, uh, with the original plan. Because so I know it's going to be somewhat less. These are these are no understand, but yeah. th these are questions that um, are they're they're questions about how the study was done and not necessarily the specific numbers per se. So I don't know if staff can. I mean, they're all I would they, they offer in response is that so the the comparison that you offered earlier that is typical when the when the applicant and staff get together and scope the document before it's turned in. It is typically a comparison of trips to the most intense buy right use that would be there, and that was established here. Okay. And that's pretty consistent. I would agree that, yes, applicants will frequently refer to the lessened traffic impact. I think when we look at that scoping and that comparison, it also relates into your level of service analysis and the comparison trips. Okay. I think based on the scoping document and the generally accepted practices, the traffic study initially indicated there was an adequate level of service. With regards to parking, a lot of that analysis, I think, will too, as we revisit this as part of the, the overall ZOAM, I think a lot of this level of detail will need to go into it. Prior to this, we've simply gotten comparisons for other, we haven't gone into the operational natures of a lot of those facilities 
It was simply a uh, comparison to other uh, facilities in the county with lesser parking demands, what the, what the industry was indicating in terms of what they need, and generally acceptance that that was without a lot of complaints about those facilities, that was generally acceptable reduced uh, parking standards. So I think a lot of your questions are, 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 are worth consideration. We just don't have the ability to answer all those this evening. So I, I'll try the very specific. I'm just trying to figure out what this chip render generation for the buy right store at being two cars every minute for 16 hours going into that site. And there's, there's no, but that's, you know, we would draw those from ITE. Generally with these facilities, they come up with a, a, a standard to estimate the average traffic that these facilities generate. I think it's certainly within your discretion if you feel like in this context that's not a realistic um, standard. That's certainly within your I would challenge them to take me to any convenience store in Northern Virginia that has yeah. two cars going in every minute for 16 hours straight. So the ITE doesn't capture everything. It's you know the average. Okay. I think the applicant does have it's your traffic. We do have the ability to answer some right. of these questions you have specific to their analysis here this evening. And then also why there was no. There's a 50% drive-by for the ch child care, but it seems like there's a 0% drive-by for people that would be going to the convenience center. So why? Yes. So Mr. Toth, I think would like to say. Sure. Okay. Sure, uh, Rory to a DTCI. Just to piggyback on what Marshawn had said, ITE, the uh, trip generation manual is it's it's the trip generation standard, if you will, for estimating. And I and I I, I use that term, in, you know, in context. You're estimating number of trips based upon studies. ITE bases their trip generation studies based upon other studies that they've done for traffic studies across the United States. So. Again, it's 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 the best you know, institute standard that we have, if you will, for trip generation for total trip generation and AM and PM peak trip generation. So I don't know if that answers your question for for that. Okay. So, so the second part of the question is why no no fifty percent drive? You know, again, they probably apply a fifty percent reduction in trips to um, what they call pass-by, but there's no reduction to this number for a, a market. I mean, a market probably has even more of a yeah, drive-by because it's people zipping by. They stop in and grab their coffee and go on their way. Correct. It, IDE does have trip generation uh, reductions for various types of uses, and convenience store is one of those okay. that, that uh, would utilize. You know, people come in, they're on their way to work, they get a cup of coffee, and they leave. Okay. So. And then for the trip, the generation, or maybe I'm the, as far as coming out of Grantner, I'm, again, I was going by a number that I've seen used time and time and time again, which is 10 trips per day per house. Correct. And, and uh, usually the, the, the traffic study base, the total was uh, 210. So if you take roughly 10% uh, of that, that's what gets you your 20 or 21 trips in the AM. Or the PM, excuse me. Well, because yeah, AM and PM combined was 21. So the two busiest, generally the two busiest times of the day, there's it's less than one car per house going in or out during the AM and PM combined. Correct. That seems reasonable? Yes. Wow. I'm going to have to rethink how you guys come up with some of your numbers. Right. <laughs> of the PM is reasonable, excuse me, yes. Okay, and and then um, I guess the applicant might be able to probably address trying to trying to trying to get my head around the number of students and the number of staff and the parking spaces. Uh, that's where I keep not being able to come up with that few spaces for that many children. So I, and that was based on 
for all the information that we've been given by UN staff about trying to figure it out. Did staff, would you like to respond to uh, Mr. Kears's question? Sorry, I was writing things. As I'm sorry, I meant the, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, Ray, I meant the applicant. Did the applicant like to respond to his question about the trip generation and, and sorry, parking? Yes, um, good evening. Thank you for this opportunity to meet with you. And um, we have Les Adkins here, that's a traffic consultant that's been working on this application and he is best to answer the questions and address Commissioner Kears's comments and questions. Thanks. Thank you. Um, I've written down as much as I could. For, so the, for the record, name and uh, Lester Atkins with Wells and Associates. I'll try to go down the list that I have written, but if you have any additional questions, I can address those. Um, first, I wanted to address um, an initial comment about using the attendance reduction on the TIS. The traffic study takes no reductions on uh, reduced capacity due to um, any other factors, we analyzed the maximum capacity, whether it was 175 previously or 144 now. Um, the reduction for attendance was applied when considering parking and the parking reduction, and we were comparing what the typical um, parking needs for, the, for a daycare of this size would be against the zoning standards, which we showed in the parking reduction that even with the, what a uh, daycare would require with a reduced capacity due to attendance, we are still providing in excess of those numbers. On to the trip generation issues. Um, I wanna clarify what pass by trips actually are. We're not reduced, we're not saying there will be less trips due to these pass by reductions. What we're saying is that these new cars that would be using the daycare would already be people that would be traveling on Ashburn Road. So rather than adding a completely new trip to the road, someone that already uses Ashburn Road would now be turning into the site. So the turning traffic, the turning movements, the northbound left, for example, on Ashburn Road, those aren't reduced at all. Those are the complete numbers. Um, as for the trip generation for the um, approved uses, so what we have to do with the TIS is it's a comparative analysis of what would this site look like in the future if this site, if this proposed project were here versus were it not. And in order to provide that background condition, we have to look at the approved uses. So that's when we apply these future conditions with background uses in order to compare the future with the proposed site. So that's why we look at this or approved use. Um, there are pass by reductions. I'm not sure why it wasn't included in the staff report, but there are pass by reductions for the uh, convenience store. However, it's kind of, uh, I don't wanna say useless, but um, it's not as valid when you're comparing it to the average daily trips because what we're using the pass by numbers is kind of looking at our peak hour analysis more so. So that's possibly why that's not included here on the average daily trip. But to answer your question, yes, pass by uh, reductions are applied to the approved use as well. Um, as far as the number of trips coming out of Grantner Place. So I know you referenced a 
10 per house per day, kind of average what for um, residential uses. And that's kind of how we would project it if there were no development there. We could kind of use ITE to forecast these. But in the cases where there's existing homes, our traffic count data gives us the best analysis for that condition. And that's what those numbers are based off, actual traffic count data, uh, collections we did at that intersection. So those are what those numbers are based on. Um, I hope I covered them all, but I'll be happy to answer any others. No, it, it covers it. I just, there's just no way you're going to have 2,000 cars. There's no way you can have two cars a minute going into, it just maybe right. in New York City or Los Angeles on a busy corner where you got 5 million people, you might get that kind of number, but in old Ashburn, there just isn't enough sure. people to generate that kind of. Sure. Kind of traffic. So Again, like, you're just, it's just sorry. looking at sort of a bigger overall number based on some national standard. Right. And um, okay. I would just clarify that, um, like Rory said, this is based on national data, and this is kind of the industry standard on how we can estimate traffic with certain land uses. Um, but I would also reiterate that those average daily traffic numbers that we're looking at with the 2,000, that's not used for the traffic analysis. In the traffic analysis, we're analyzing the peak hours, which we're looking at the, the smaller isolated figures. Um, those are just kind of given overview, usually for projections on road design um, for average daily trips. But in this case, whether they be spread out over the day to two per hour or more concentrated throughout the day, um, that's not used in our analysis. It's for reference. Okay. Is that good? Then are you, do you have more questions? Well, just the other one. The last recording was just trying to, to, to figure out how they can use so few parking spaces for staff for that many students. Okay. That was the other one. Great. Uh, Ms. Blackburn, do you have any questions? Uh, it was answered. Um, make sure I understood it. You're basing the traffic not on the absentee rate, correct? That is correct. There's okay. no reduction for absentee rate. Yes, I do rate. have another question. Um, when you determine the uh, absentee, that also affects your staffing, correct? I know from where I worked, when we got notification that kids weren't coming, we adjusted our staff accordingly. Do you do that? Right. And if tell me, are we in comment session yet, or are we still in questions? Um, we are still in questions. Okay. There's no motion. So if you you want to wait, you Welcome to wait. I know I'm Mr. Jennings say it now, has a lot of questions. We're talking about your 80%. I think is absolutely ac accurate. Your absentee is accurate. Um, kids are germ factories. <laughs> they are out a lot, and they also tend to take their siblings with them, even if their siblings aren't sick. So you get Susie gets called in sick, but little Billy stays home with Susie because mom has to stay home. Then Billy gets sick and then Susie stays home with Billy. So, I mean, I just want to clarify that I know having worked in daycare that you never, you're almost never at full capacity in your daycare center. Thank you, Ms. Blackburn. Any other questions or comments? Mr. Jennings, do you have any questions or comments? I'll make them during, before I make a motion. Okay. Um, I have no comments uh, myself except for the one I did first. Uh, so this is in the Ashburn District. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I thought you said you got your question answered. No, no, so. no I, I was looking to try to reconcile the number of students 
with the number of spaces needed for staff. I hadn't got it. That, I, I was still looking for an answer on that. You want to try that? We actually <laughs> do have a presentation I think will address some of these questions that you have about the capacity and how that works with um, enrollment and not all students are there at any one time so they're spread out over the day because they're part-time students etc. But I do have a, a presentation that I would like to go through and I think it will address a lot of these questions that you do have if I may. Is it a, is it a brief presentation? We're typically it's a work session item this is not a public hearing so right um, yeah we will make it brief okay Nancy do you need to help them they got it okay A lot has been said and I think that we are trying to be very responsive to the community in all of their concerns and so we did reduce the capacity to 144 and we revised the um, layout to include more parking closer to the front of the building. Now as far as the operational standards and way the child care centers operate, I'm going to turn that over to Michelle Cooper and this is the licensing calculations which show the per um, child square foot that is required per the code based upon the age, the number of teachers, and the teacher ratio, which I think will help to understand how this works. So I'm going to um, introduce Michelle Cooper to make that presentation to you. Thank you. Good evening, everyone, and thank you for uh, calling us for a work session tonight. Based it, I've sat on the last few meetings, especially the com community meeting. I want everyone to know that we, as a team, have listened to everyone's concern, not only your concerns with the Planning Commission, but most importantly as well, the community's position on all this. And I don't want you to think that we don't take it lightly because I take it very seriously. If I didn't care about this, I wouldn't be here. And it's not just because of TLE, it's because I care as an outsider, as the community, how you use it. It's the architect in me. Anyways, um, a little bit about us in general. We are a family-owned and operated business. We were the original founders of Tudor Time. We have approximately 200 locations with additional locations around the country in a growth mode. Our operating hours are Monday through Friday, 6.30 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. What's interesting about our business model that sets us apart from everyone else is we have a la carte monthly rates. So in other words, um, I guess other centers will have an hourly rate uh, or specific days, et cetera. We have a flat fee, whether it's part-time or full-time. So with that being said, with the concerns that I've also heard about pickup and drop-off, this allows flexibility to parents. They can come at any time of the day, drop off their kid, whether they want to come at 6.30, 8.30, 2.30 in the afternoon, even for two hours to leave their child there, they're more than welcome to do so at the same cost. With that being said, that flexibility 
affords the fact that a parent does not have to be in a rush to drive in a crazy manner, I guess you can say, in a rush to go pick up their child. That's a difference of flexibility that we do offer. So there's no pressure to the parent. We'd want parents to drive safely in a safe manner. So our issue is bringing them in a safe manner. We have a proprietary curriculum. In-house, we develop, we distribute it to our centers, what we teach the kids. We address monthly themes, and our mottos are learn, play, and grow. I'll address a little bit more about that in the concerns later on in the presentation, whereas I heard concerns about what is in our calendar and our website, so I'll address it at that point. But getting back to the issue, um, not the issue, the clarification of licensing calculations. One of the things that I've heard in all of this, it, it's kind of, it's more technical the way I'd be explaining it and what you see on the screen, is how you design for a facility. And aside from regular building codes, when it comes into childcare, we have certain licensing codes we have to follow in terms of providing certain square footages per child, which also means teacher ratios. How many teachers in a room with how many students? If you'll see on the screen, for example, I'll just use infant A as an example. We have one to 55 square foot per child. We have eight children in one room with a teacher ratio per the codes again are one to four. So therefore, per the code, we are designing one classroom with eight children, two teachers. If you'll see the net versus the actual square footage and the state required, what that means is that square footage for children to maneuver within a room is required clear floor space. Therefore, anything that is built in, your millwork, your cabinetry, your shelves, your cubbies, are excluded from that square footage. If you take a look at the age groups, this shows the breakdown of our different age groups from six weeks to five to six years. Holding it down is a little bit huff, but bear with me. Um, oh, I don't? Okay, sorry. But so my point is, is that this is what we have to go by using these licensing um, regulations. And that calculates the occupancy of how many kids will be maximum in the facility. Keep in mind of the following though. One, the 144 number is once it's built up, I guess better back up and explain this better. When you open a center for the first time, you're not gonna immediately have 144 kids enrolled. You're gonna, it's gonna take time for a bit, like any other business, it's gonna take time to build up enrollment. That's very important, that would, that would take a significant amount of time to do. These classrooms are designed to accommodate yet they're not always gonna be open all full time. So the way that it works, as you were talking about how many teachers and how many staff are there at one time. For example, infant A and infant B, there's two classrooms for infants. If the capacity that day, the first classroom is what starts to get filled up. Once you have eight children in that room, then they open the next room. 
now once you have already exceeded your 16 kids and an enrollment as well, the children will go on a waiting list. So it's also controlled as to we're not, we're not just taking anyone who walks in off the street and we're enrolling them because then we wouldn't be able to operate because there'd be too many kids. So we do comply with that. Um, and also note, as the higher the age range, the more kids will go per classroom, which makes sense because obviously the younger kids need a little bit more supervision, so there's uh, more attention there. Make-Believe Boulevard, which is what we call our play village, is used as a socio-dramatic learning room. So basically, it's a place where kids can come in there. It's not always used as a full classroom. It's used for kids to come in and be interactive and kind of a town feel. There's a diner. There's a general store. Those types of uses in there. So with that being said, yes, there will not be at all time full-time children on site for the entire day. It comes in waves. Yet we have to design for the maximum. Please keep that in mind. And yes, there is about 25% of children are part-time. We do have an 80% average occupancy. About 10% kids are absent. And 20% do have siblings. This is not, this is based on all of our data from all of our centers when we analyze um, our our child counts and our rates. Um, clarification of the number of teachers on site at one time. You're not going to have teachers. You're the entire a teacher that's going to be there from 6:30 a.m. to 6:30 p.m. So it's varied shifts, and there are 30% of them are part time. We do have a center director who's on staff and one other staff person. That's the only full regular staff that we have, everyone else is children, and it is based on the number of children in age groups that are enrolled at the center at that time. So I'm hoping this answers part one of your questions. And if, I, if I may turn it over to Les to explain the parking calculations and how that works and why there are only a certain amount of parking spaces that are needed at any one time. Again, if you could just uh, hurry up, uh, we're at 10 minutes already. Okay, I'm so sorry. Les, could you please address that, please? Sure, I'll address it quickly. To address um, kind of typical parking uh, operations on our site, we can or received data from another TLE center in L Loudoun County. It was their Chantilly site. So from them, we were able to receive their check-in and check-out uh, logs, and from that, we created a, uh, a database of kind of the curve of when parents are coming, when parents are leaving to kind of give a typical um, a graph that we could apply to our facility. Um, based on that number, uh, we, and another point on that, we also calculated uh, five-minute uh, pickup and drop-off operations. We increased that to eight minutes for both operations just to account for uh, concerns on the multi-floors and uh, just overall time concerns. So we're looking at eight minutes to pick up or drop off someone. Um, and based on that data, we found that the peak 15-minute period throughout the day would occur at 5.45 to 6 p.m. 
Um, in the mornings for drop-off operations, is a little more distributed. Um, I guess there's more flexibility in dropping off your kids than it's picking up when your facility's closing at 6.30. So we observed the most concentrated uh, parking would be at that peak 15-minute period when, when considering, in this case, we do consider the absentee, so we reduced our 144 maximum capacity to about 130 students uh, on any given day. And then we also consider that uh, based on TLE data, typically 20% uh, of the uh, families that use, or 20% of the children are part of multiple, mul multiple kid families where they would have just one parent picking up, you know, two kids. So based on that data, kind of summarizing it all in the table that we provided to staff, um, we would need 14 spaces available for pickup and drop-off operations at any given 15-minute period. So looking at our site, if we have 14 spaces available at all times for pickup and drop-off operations, um, out of the 33, there's 19 avail additional spaces that are available for staff parking or additional uh, pickup and drop-off if it exceeds the expected amount for any reason. And that this graph kind of shows. Sorry, Les, can you go back one sure. uh, slide? Well, that's, so that uh, number is factoring that 12 kids over a 15-minute period. So there we're reducing it for eight-minute pickup and drop-off operations. Okay, I understand. Thanks. Sure. Um, if you go back to the uh, TIS analysis, I just wanted to address a previous question that came up. Um, this slide shows the comparative analysis between existing conditions and future conditions with the 144 students. And just to address a uh, comment about average delay, this is showing that the with the proposed 144-daycare uh, center, the average delay over the hour for a given movement, for example, we have the westbound approach from Grantner Place, and we also have the northbound approach of Leesburg, or um, I'm sorry, Ashburn Road. Um, the average delay in that hour for the vehicles on that approach. So what that would mean is of the people coming northbound on Ashburn Road, the average delay per the drivers in that one hour would be would increase less than one second due to the additional traffic. Now that, you know, obviously that's the average over an hour. It could be increased or decreased at different times spiking. But um, summarizing this, we maintain that uh, acceptable levels of service will be on Ashburn Road um, with future conditions. Are there any questions? Okay, thank you. Is, it, is that it, Ms. Heiss? <clears throat> There's a, a couple other things that I would just like to quickly go through. Um, 
One is that there is an approved site plan on the property for a 12,480 square foot building, which could be any buy right use, and I think people need to be aware of that. And those trips could generate um, over 2,395 average daily trips, which would be an, a definite increase, even um, notwithstanding the convenience food store um, uh, trip generation, but that, is, that could be a reality. And that is the site plan. And one of the things that, um, based upon the, the buy right site plan, there's striping that will occur and is part of this application for southbound um, striping to go into the property. Also, at the entrance, the way the site is designed right now, there are three vehicles that can stack right into the entrance. Um, so with this plan, that's the buy right um, site plan, there is no stacking room or any vehicle stacking room in that, in that plan. This shows and demonstrates um, how the vehicles could stack within the throat of the um, proposed child care center application. And I think one of the misnomers um, at the community meeting, of course, was they kept foc people kept focusing on, and I think were confused by, that there were nine pickup drop-off. That is a zoning ordinance requirement, and all of those spaces that are now going to be um, 15 spaces and then two handicapped spaces can all be used for pickup and drop-off. And also, there are six uh, spaces to the rear of the outdoor play area, which also can be used for pickup and drop-off, and the remaining spaces um, for staff. And one of the other things that I think that is still a little bit confusing the child care center will not be fully occupied 20, you know, all 12 hours. They ramp up in the morning. You could see that in the table that children are dropped off and then there are a number of children over time. So there would not be any one time where all 144 children would be in attendance because of the part-time nature of the, the enrollment. And then also the teachers are part-time. So the, the site does accommodate um, all of the parking needs and the trip generation also demonstrates the fact that there will not be any significant delays or stacking on, on Ashburn Road, that all the parking will be accommodated on site. So if there are any other questions, I know that we've taken quite some time. Yes. yes. Mr. Kearse, you have one quick um, question. Just a quick question. Do you have other staff there that aren't teachers? I mean, do you have like a front desk person, a office manager, a Hummer? Yeah, I, mean, I said it earlier that we do have a center director and one other administrative person. Everyone else is teachers. So there'd be, so there'd be two non-teaching. Correct. Staff. I want yep. to just clarify one last thing for you guys. Because it, you guys had a, um, everyone had a concern about looking at our calendar on the website. So I wanted to make a quick clarification on that. Um, the presumption was made that parents were invited to all activities, or there are four parents to come to all activities. Uh, I want to clarify that a lot of the activities that are shown there on the calendar is for events that are happening that day that the kids are participating in their curriculum. For example, holiday sock day, bring your sock. If there's something that's strictly for the kids, what they're going to do that day, just so that way when you know they're coming to school to their center for the day, to have them prep for, to participate. If we're having any events, for example, as like a graduation, that would be held off-site. 
And let's say trunk or treat, where you're having Halloween for all the age groups. We would be separating it by day. So Monday would probably be infants. Very, very well. Thank okay. You. Thank Mr. you. Mr. Jennings, questions? Comment? Yes. The I find this a really difficult application, um, but not for the usual reasons. I came in here to make a – I was planning to make a motion to recommend denial. Um, I don't think this application is quite ready, and I'll explain why. <clears throat> but nevertheless, I think there's a lot of late information that's come in. There's a lot of opinion that's circulating around, and I'd like it sorted out before I make a motion to deny, and the Commission can do as it wants. There's eight voting members here. But I'll be real clear. I'm unmoved by most of the arguments so far. They're, they're based on individual facts that are taken out of context. There's self-serving so-called surveys that are floating around. Um, there's misinterpretation of licensure, which I'm glad you clarified, and I'll explain that why as well. You know, I'm hearing a lot of rabble-rousing dialogue. I would like some facts behind here. I've been asking for it, and I'm starved for them. So we can look at traffic impact. We can compare to a, the sheets on old ox. We can do a lot of different things. However, just because somebody has a kid in daycare doesn't make them an expert any more than my going to Cape Canaveral twice makes me an astronaut. So could we please boil it down? And, and here's what I really want to look for is a factual basis. You have a model. I want a one-minute granularity histogram starts at 6.30 a.m. and goes to 6.30 p.m. 720 lines. I want each minute identified. I want You can use your own model that you've taken and the, and the pattern that you have from Fairfax County. You can list the assumptions of how many students of the 144 permitted, how many do you think on an average day, and how does that break down? You do all of those, lay out the assumptions, but I'd like to see the minute-to-minute -minute histogram and analysis, because I did it. But I only did it for your peak hour. And here's what it's telling me, and the reason I'm real concerned about this, is it starts to back up on a simple, just a simple mass balance you have a car coming in, and even the numbers you've done today, I think there's a car coming in about every minute. But it's a six, I used a six minute state time. So if you follow it from the beginning of the day to the end of the day, you're backing up cars because they're coming in every minute and they're only leaving every six. I ran that for your peak hour and then I adjusted it for the state time. I adjusted it just to see the sensitivity. What happens? I have my analysis. I don't think the actual state time is nearly as critical. But you can't avoid the people coming in at that pace, and that's why I want to see it, because it backs up on the original numbers we had. We're past 17 parking spots in the first 19 minutes of your busy hour. We get up to 60 needed cars on that site because you can't get them in and out. If they're coming in every, out every minute and leaving every six, they're going to back up. Now, that's one hour. So obviously, there's a lead and lag. I'll let you figure that out. But I'm looking at numbers that are three times what the 17 spots would accommodate. And I appreciate that there's 
traffic studies and delays, but where are they going to go? You've got 30 extra cars on that site. So something will happen. And, and I'm not challenging the traffic analyses. I'm just saying mass balance. If you would lay that out, and if you can find a way that that works, uh, we'll be open for dialogue. But that's why I'm saying right now I don't see how this site works, but I am willing to go to a work session if you think you can find a solution. Uh, leave that open. Mm -hmm. Please. Not to sound difficult, but I did go on, on Google Earth and I was very curious to see the daycare centers in the area and if there was anything that had something remotely similar to our site. With um, I understand that we're two stories and the others are one, most of the others in the area are one story. But I did find um, four centers that do have a similar uh, layout to ours in the sense that they're um, one-way ingress and egress. And they've got about a range of 30 to 41 spaces on their site. And this is Goddard, Rail Stop, Wynwood. I'm just that curious as to how we're, we're different from that. That's all. I, I appreciate that. I'm saying... Don't, don't take this out of context. That's not relevant in what I'm asking for. I don't care if they have 30 spots, 40 spots, 50 spots. I'm asking for an analysis on your site using your numbers about how people, how students come in and go out. Not a comparison. I think that's part of the confusion that everyone, or, or the challenge we've all had, is because I can take any one of those numbers and then say, well, this is different or this is where. So I'm just asking you to cut through that and just do your own analytic, but do it on a granular basis. Agreed. So we can see and lay out the assumptions of how many teachers would actually be there, how many are not, when they come in and out. We'll be more than happy to work with you on that one. Okay. With that, then, I move that the Planning Commission forward SPEX 2017-001 and special exception 2017-0034 Ashburn Road Child Care Center to a future work session for further discussion. Is there a motion on the floor? Is there a second? Second. Seconded by Commissioner Lawyer. Are there any other comments? Commissioner Priscilla. I just have one that would be helpful for me, for staff. The, the one difficulty I'm having relates to the parking, which may tangentially relates to Commissioner Jennings' issue, is I'm not aware of, and it would be I would be helpful to know where we have kid other kid uses, school LCPS, sports. Have we allowed them to come in for a maximum number, but then let them reduce the parking, not based on a operational change they made by not having three fields, they went to two, or or something, because they are asking for a reduction in the parking just based on the fact that kids would be sick. I understand that. Have we used that in other instances where kid prevalent uses have come before the county? Great. Any other questions that you'd like addressed at the future work session? Commissioner Blackburn? Yeah. Um, I'm curious about Mr. Jennings. Um, if one car, <laughs> I'm not a mathematician, so one car comes in every 60 seconds, you'd have 60 cars in the parking lot. One's leaving every six minutes. Right, so you won't, but I thought you said there would be 60 there at one time. At but they can't be if they're leaving no. at least once every six minutes. How, I don't know how you'd figure no, that sorry, out. Sorry. 47. 
you're only losing at the end of the day. You've got six, say an hour, you've got 60 came in and 10 left, so you had 50. But at the peak time was 15 minutes, right? That's an hour. That's what I'm saying. I had hourly data. That's what I used. So I'm asking, okay. I, had one, I had peak hour, so I made an assumption around peak hour. I just, just wanted to see where it came out. That's all I was doing. Yeah. I'm saying I think we could get to a, even to Mr. Priscilla's issue, I think that's a good point. I'd like to know that as well. Okay. Whether or not 17 spots works or it doesn't work, irrespective of how we got there, is what I'm trying to find out. Okay, and one last comment. You're still basing the parking on the 144, not on the sick people. We've got to get that out of our head. I think that was presented by the applicant to explain that they're giving you the worst case scenario, but in reality, it's less because of the six kids. So it's not based on 20% absentee. I'm sorry, I thought the parking was based on I just want to make sure that I got that right. The full, if they're all there that day, full capacity. In the parking reduction, so when we're talking about the peak 15 minutes, 14, what would we need maximum? We are considering the other factors in that to give a typical. To give a typical day, but if it were right. full capacity, would your traffic plan But again, again, work? that is all, you are correct. Is it all, all those reductions are coming off of a maximum capacity. So. Okay, and the staff would agree that if it was at full capacity, it works according to you. With a one to six ratio of staff to uh, children, okay. it should work. I haven't looked at the reduced number of 144. This is when I was looking at it was 175. Okay. Thank you, uh, Commissioner Burns. I, I just have a quick one. I think uh, Mr. Jennings is exactly right in doing the analysis like his way. It will give us all the answers. So. That's the route to go. I have much concern about the traffic myself. Okay, thank you. Uh, with that, I'll <coughs> ask for the, uh, I'll call for oh. the <laughs> Commissioner Kearse, do you have a question? I just think, yes, thank you. Um, I, I mean, I'll go I'll back. To, I'm still having trouble even with, you showed the numbers up there, trying to figure out how the number of spaces work with the staff. And I took your 144, I took out your absentees, I took out your part-timers, and you still come up with 100 full-time in-house, two spots for administrative staff. Um, I, I'd like to see how the numbers work for the 100 full-time that you expect to have out of the 144 total, how those number of spaces work. And the 20% absentee doesn't mean you reduce the number of teachers because you take your two infant rooms, which can accommodate 16 kids, which means four teachers. If you have a 20% reduction, you still need four teachers because you still got 17 of them in there, 4, 8, 12, 16. You have 13 in there. And whether it's 13, 14, 15, or 16, you need four teachers. So I'm even giving you the fact that you're going to reduce the number of teachers needed by having a 20, the absentee rate, but in a lot of some cases, you very well might not. So I would like to see, I guess, according to Commissioner Jennings' histogram about the number of teachers there. And if you haven't had a daycare in Ashburn, you might find be amazed how fast you're gonna fill that place up. Um, that's why we have so many. And you might, so don't count on it taking a long period of time to ramp up uh, to fill your facility up. 
So that's a, something I still want to see how these number of spaces with the number of teachers for that size facility works. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, with that, we're going to ask a question. All in favor of sending to a future work session, say aye. 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 Opposed? Motion passes 801 with Commissioner Sisley absent. Thank you. Okay, uh, we have one more work session item. Uh, our next work session item will go very quickly, and uh, it will be ZMAP 2013-0006, special exception 2016-0029, special exception 2016-0030, special exception 2016-0031, special exception 2017-0032, Special minor exception 2016-0008, ZMOD 2017-0010, and a partridge in a pear tree, Silver District West. Welcome, Mr. Hancock. Yes, uh, thank you for letting me come. And of course, uh, since I'm trying to go fast, I am not as fast as I would like to be. So uh, basically, <laughs> we're trying to follow up from when we had the public hearing, what kind of late. There's a variety of issues that need to be addressed. Uh, hopefully, in your work session uh, memo, I was able to provide kind of an architecture so that we, we don't miss items as we uh, discuss this and move along and so I've got some items in here um, that would be uh, good to take a look at and just kind of so Mr. Hancock in light of trying to speed things up yes. would it make sense for us to address the uh, public school issues since Ms. O uh, Howard O'Brien is here um, can we go through those first? And yeah, that sounds great. In fact, uh, uh, Sarah has got some, she's got a presentation that can be abbreviated if you like or, or if you have specific questions to ask her. If you don't want to see the presentation, um, we, we'll work with you however you like. Let's, uh, let's let Sarah um, go forward. Okay. They're hard. Okay. I let me give you the Reader's Digest first, and then you, we can see how much more you want. Great. You know, we, we've been working with the applicant for a school site, and they have provided a nine-plus-acre site in, as a part of their application. It is ideally located. Um, we are very pleased to have it, and, and the short version is, is that since we don't know what we're going to be building because we don't know how many students are going to be generated in the area, I can't tell you unequivocally that the site will work. We think it will for some type of facility. We have talked about the Metro Design Schools in the context of going up, and I have some slides if you want to see them, that we have designed a Metro Design School that I can share with you. We have looked at the kind of 
ideal lot to accommodate our current program and looked at ideas for how do we further reduce our land area in order to make it work. We have looked at other jurisdictions to see what their experience has been in terms of student generation in more urban settings, in smaller units, um, more expensive type units, which is what we're seeing to the east uh, along the metro, the student generation tends to come down. So we've looked at all those factors and the upshot is, is we want this site, we'd like to have this site reserved for the future. It could fulfill one of the needs we have identified in the CIP. Uh, we have two elementary schools uh, right now identified. It, it could fulfill either one of them uh, for that general area. Um, and then we'd like to simply just keep working with the county and the applicant as this area builds out to determine whether or not it can be used. The properties are structured such that it would be a public use site. It's tagged as an elementary school site. If, a, if for some reason we find that no kids come out of these buildings and we don't need it, then I'm sure the county would have a use for it. If we find that tons of kids come out of this building, then we'll be building it for a school. So that's, that's the upshot of where we are. I have provided staff with uh, a referral uh, reviewing the most recent proffers. There are a few additional clarifications uh, we'd like to work out with the applicant. Uh, most of them, I think, are, are relatively minor and straightforward, and I'm, I'm fairly sure we can work them out. So that's, that's the, the short version. If you want to see our projections and our CIP for the schools we have coming, if you want to look at the Metro Design School, I've got these slides. I can show them now and come back later. Okay. Mr. Pierce. One quick question. Um, so I, no I noticed in your, your assessment of your projection, you're still using the 0.28 student generation for a multifamily unit. And most of the discussion that we've seen and what we've seen in Fairfax is these types of developments probably tend to generate slightly somewhat less than that because of the style of development. Is that what your expectation would be? It, it is. And, and you may or may not recall when we came back to this group ah, some time ago when we were talking about the Silver Line CPAM, what we know Arlington has experienced in multifamily is at 0 0.06. Okay, so you've got a range of 0 0.06 to what we're seeing allowed today of 0.28. It'll probably be somewhere in between. Yeah. We just don't know what it's going to be. Other questions? Um, you're still working on your urban school site design, is that correct? We, we, we have one. You have you one. Want to see it real quick? Sure, just show up a picture, and then my question is, What's the, um, what's the estimated uh, number of kids? It, 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 the, the beauty of the design is that it can be um, anywhere from 250 to 300 students up to 1,000. It's designed as a four-story building. The first floor of the building contains all of the core facilities, and then each additional floor adds anywhere, I'm sorry, I said 250, 350 to 400 students per floor. So each floor you can add and uh, up to 1,000 kids. And so the design um, is actually uh, quite interesting. This is a picture of the first floor, which has all your central facilities. It is 54% smaller than our current footprint, so we've reduced the size of it 
and then we allow the stacking of the classrooms uh, above the central facilities. And the, and the thought process, again, and we're getting back to your question, Mr. Kears, which is, you know, uh, we're still using the point two eight. Other areas are certainly seeing lower factors, uh, student generation factors. What do we think will occur? We don't know, but it could be anywhere from, I have a, I'm going to move the slide on you all. When we look at the Silver District West project, based on today's rates in the area immediately around the school, you could have as many as 360 elementary students based on our projections today. That obviously could go down as to as low as 100 students based on something as small as the Arlington's. So it's just a matter of what the market will do and how these units will sell and, and whether families will move in or, or, you know, dinks or what will happen. Right. But we'll just have to see. So when, as you have the flexibility to um, build to a certain number of stories, I'm assuming you have to make that decision, that construction. You can't say um, in 2022 we're going to build two stories and then five years later we're going to add another story and then add another story. You, you know, that's, a, that's a great question. I don't have an answer for that. I'd have to ask our, our construction department. But typically we do prefer to make those decisions up front because it's just much more efficient to it's build che that It's way. cheaper. I'm just guessing whether it's technically possible. Yeah, I, do, I don't know. I can ask and find out. Okay. Other questions, Mr. Kears? Anyone? Bueller, Mr. Scheel. Uh, the outer core that you mentioned, well, this is not in regard to the school. I have no questions in regard to the school, uh, but the outer core, is that the northernmost sector? Or, or is this the inner core? This is in the transit supportive area, the outer core, yes. This is the outer core. Mm -hmm. We did not put the school in the inner core because obviously the likelihood that those students are going to use utilize metro to or from to or from the site to to, to and from school is probably pretty unlikely okay. yeah so the the inner core outer core is a zoning designation and both the inner core and outer core on the northern section only this southern portion is all within the transit supportive area okay so when we speak of the inner core we're speaking of the northernmost yeah, where you get really close to Metro, you're supposed to be within okay. like a quarter. But it's not to a really half close. It's what 400. It's still a little far away, just because of the shape of the beyond of the walking site. distance. Depending on where you're walking from and to okay. the site, but the residents, it, it it it's a little over walking distance of a quarter mile, if I remember okay. on that. Well, the one question I have is in regard to recreation, and I was wondering if. A uh, pickleball court is enough recreation space for 600 plus residents in the inner core. Um, we're happy to discuss all of the recreation amenities, and and but okay. we were prepared to talk about the schools tonight. Okay. So we'll, we can bring graphics to the next next meeting. Yeah, uh, just and I should have made it clear. Um, this application is not ready for voting. Um, we have, uh, as, as uh, Mr. Hancock has provided, um, some detailed concerns about the application uh, issues for discussion. We're not going to go over those this evening. Um, please read them, and we'll be prepared to do that at another work session. And then secondly, we were originally going to do this uh, evening a transportation study, 
uh, review and uh, the applicant's not quite ready for that. He's going to give us something really, really special and it's not quite ready yet. So maybe a late Christmas present to the Planning Commission. Uh, so Only if you're good. <laughs> well, then we're in trouble. <laughs> okay, any other further questions uh, about schools? Are we good with the schools? We're happy. I think you did a great job on building a school design, so thank you. And uh, I think we're good. Um, so, again, we'll move. Do we need a motion to move this to another work session? Yeah. Okay. I'll do it. Uh, Mr. Kearse, do you have a motion? I move that Planning Commission forward ZMAP 2013-6, special exception 2016-29, special exception 2016-30, 31, and 32, uh, uh, SPMI 2016-8, and ZMAD 2017-10, Silver District West to a work session for further discussion. Seconded by Commissioner Salmon. Any other questions? It's half of my district. All seeing none, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion passes 801. Thank you very much. Um, we have a, uh, an event to go to, but prior to that I had a, um, I have uh, circulated a letter that I would like uh, reviewed. I believe everybody on the Planning Commission has reviewed the uh, letter related to the Ashburn Road Child Care Center application. Um, I would, uh, I feel strongly about the activities that happened on the uh, at the November 30th public hearing and uh, felt that a appropriate response to the Board of Supervisors would be appropriate. So um, I'm going to make a motion. Mr. Merithew, do I need to just refer to the letter dated December 14th? Okay. Um, so I'm going to make a motion to approve this letter to be sent to Chair Randall. Uh, I move that the uh, letter dated December 14th, 2017, and addressed to uh, Chair Randall for, uh, of the Loudoun County Board of Supervisors um, be approved and sent to the uh, board uh, as uh, provided. Is there a second to the motion? Second. Seconded by Commissioner Barnes. Is there any comment on the letter? Seeing none, all in favor? Aye. Aye. Opposed? Motion passes 801. Uh, Mr. Barnes seconded it. He just didn't have his microphone on. So, got, got to give him credit where credit is due. So, it only took a year, but he finally seconded it something. So, I'm quite proud of Mr. Barnes. Uh, with that, Mr. Marchant, Mr. Snyder, do we have any other items? Do you want other items? No. Okay. No, sir. Motion. Then we're we're adjourned. Thank you. Thank you. Then we're we're adjourned.